Amen. Come on, let's stand our feet this morning.
so glad that you are here today. Just look around. We have a full house. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule this morning, this Sunday, to be here at Community Connection. My prayer as pastor is that before you leave, that you'll receive something from the Lord. And that is my prayer for you today. And I believe if you will engage in the service that prayer will be answered because the Lord is going to be sufficient he's going to be on time how many know we serve an on time God even when it we want to put him in our time frame and I've tried to do that but he don't fit in our time frame we have to fit in his time frame so glad that you are with us today if you haven't had a chance or an opportunity I want you to pick up a bulletin before you leave. It is packed full of information of upcoming events, and uh, you will not want to miss what is happening this fall and over the next few uh, services and what the Lord is doing. But let me real quick make just a couple of those uh, announcements. Sister Brenda asked me to announce tonight at 5 o'clock, say 5 o'clock, the ladies will be meeting. Y'all meeting over here, correct, in this room. So all ladies, you are invited to attend that meeting. Uh, I know you will be blessed. It's going to be a wonderful meeting, so come and be a part of that. And uh, I'm going to let you be seated for a moment. Let's, let's do that. Uh, I need everyone's help that can possibly, and you can help in two ways. You can serve or you can purchase. So this encompasses everybody. You can be on one side of the table serving, and typically the ones who serve also purchase, or you can be on the other side. What am I talking about? September the 28th is a Saturday. We have secured a spot in front of Piggly Wiggly there off Scottsville Road to set up a uh, barbecue, hamburgers, and hot dog stand. And uh, we are going to have a fundraiser to purchase a new AC unit. And uh, I know some of you are still fanning. The upside is that uh, I thought it would be cool by now, but uh, we're going to, we've got the place, and uh, it won't be long before it will be getting cooler. But in the meantime, uh, September the 28th, that Saturday, uh, I need you to uh, help as much as you possibly can. It'll be somewhere between 10 to 2. Obviously, setup will be that morning, so uh, we want you to uh, be a part of that. If you can help cook the menu, I'm working with Brother David Sampson. Uh, he's uh, got pulled pork, grilled chicken, shoulders, smoked bologna, hamburgers, hot dogs, potato salad, slaw, and chips are so far on the menu. Uh, I know some of you are looking to have some desserts. We're looking to have a bake uh, sale. 
uh, possibly a little craft area. So there's several things that's going to be taking place that Saturday. And uh, so I want you to be a part of that. But more importantly, you can be our advertisement. What does that mean? Tell everybody that you know that on Saturday, the September the 28th, they have to go purchase food from Community Connection. Our goal that day is $4,500. Now, you may think, well, that's a large amount of money, but I believe that we have a large community that will step up. Plus, we have a church family that will help us reach that goal. So that is September the 28th. It's going to be in a couple of weeks. So if you have any questions, you can see me or Brother David. Uh, he did ask me to tell you all, if you want pre-ordered pork by the pound, to let him know, and he will uh, make sure he'll hold that aside. Is that correct? So some of you may not even want to purchase it. That Saturday you want to purchase it um, by the pound. So uh, get with him so he'll know how much to actually make that day. But if you're if you're a cook, if you uh, love to serve the community, if you just like to Stand there and wave and welcome people to the booth. We can use you. We can use you to stand there and be the outreach. When the Lord gave me the name Community Connection, my goal was for this church to be outside these walls making a connection with the community. Whether we do it through fundraising, whether we do it through Second Harvest, whether we do it through your individual just going up and sharing the gospel with people. I want the people here in Lafette to know that we as a church care about them and uh, just making those connections. So put that on your calendar, September the 28th. Uh, it'll start around 10 o'clock. It'll go until about 2 to, uh, if we're still selling at 3, we'll still be there. We don't obviously put an end time, but we'll begin setting up, obviously, that morning early. Hopefully have all the tables set by 9, and we're uh, serving by 10. Now, you know that I do not stand here and do a lot of fundraising. But the Lord put this on my heart to help get the AC, so that's what we're doing. And uh, then, following up that Sunday, uh, some of you have asked, uh, we're going to take a special offering on the 29th. So uh, what we don't raise, which I believe we're going to hit that $4,500 mark on Saturday, and then the offering on Sunday is going to be extra. Why that Sunday? That happens to be the fifth Sunday in September. So uh, we're going to take a special offering that will go towards the unit uh, because I found out that in our life center, we have a compressor out in one of our middle units. So, you know, when it rains, it pours, as they say. But do you know I know a God that can supply all our needs I know a God that can step right in the middle of it. So with all of that on the agenda, uh, I won't even get into what we're doing in October. You'll just have to be here to find out. There's a lot of things taking place in October. So, But uh, I'm glad that you are here today. We're going to pray. If you have a special need in your life today, I'm going to get you to raise your hands. How many know that God can answer these these requests. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for every person that is here today, Lord, that has taken time out of their schedule, Lord, that has, Lord,
put aside, Lord, what they would normally want to be doing, but, Lord, they're here today to serve you. And, Lord, I pray they would not leave, Lord, like they came. Lord, that they would experience everything that you have for them, Lord, in a mighty way. And, Lord, I'm asking you right now, Lord, that you would begin to touch this outreach and, Lord, this fundraiser, Lord, throughout this community. Lord, I'm praying, Lord Jesus, Lord, that there would be donations that come in, Lord, from places that we're not even imagining, Lord Jesus. And, Lord, you would send people, Lord, that normally wouldn't even show up, Lord Jesus, through the parking lot to buy food that day. Lord, that we would be blessed, Lord, to be able to put a new AC unit, Lord Jesus. And, Lord, I'm praying, Lord, that you'd begin to touch and move in our life, Lord, and every person that raised their hand that said, I have a need. Lord, I'm praying for that need today. I'm praying that you would touch them, Lord, today. And Lord, whatever it is, Lord, they may need a financial windfall, Lord, to blow through their life. Lord, they, they need a healing, Lord. I'm praying, Lord, that you would touch them today. And Lord, there may be some that just want to glorify you in the house. And Lord, I'm asking you, Lord, to be with them today. And Lord, we just want to serve you to the best of our ability. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask our ushers to come this morning. They're going to wait upon you in giving. Yes. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Profound words because where your treasure is, where you put your belongings, where you put your money into, and I've told you over the last few weeks we've been doing some instructions on money and it's never been about money to me for serving the Lord. It's never been about blessings, but money unlocks the blessings in heaven. Now, I'm not one of those prosperity that you get everything that you want, but I know he supplies the needs that we have to have. And with that, I look at Matthew when he writes, and Matthew was a tax collector, so he knew about money. He knew about when he was talking that for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you want to unlock the heavenlies, put your treasure in God. And if you put it in him, know that he's going to bless you, I believe, because it's biblical. Brother Pat, would you pray over their offering this morning? You are in for a special treat today. Uh, Maddie is going to sing for us, and I love the song that she has chosen. Will you make her feel welcome this morning?
Love that song, Mary, did you know? Think about the words to it. Think about what it means to just think that one day Mary had held the Son of God. How awesome is that? We're going to dismiss Children's Church now. And, uh, what a uh, tremendous blessing to have all these children that are with us today. I will let you on a little secret if you get too hot. Uh, the nursery is very cool in there. So if you get too hot and feel like you need to cool off, the nursery will welcome you to watch little babies. And uh, So look at all these children. God has blessed us. Every Sunday it just keeps growing. And I just want to thank the teachers for all that they do. 
speaking of that, if you're interested in teaching or if you are teaching, uh, next Sunday at 8.45, we're having a teacher's meeting, and it uh, should be in the bulletin, I believe, but I just wanted to remind you of that. So it's next Sunday at 8.45, we're going to be having a teacher's meeting. And uh, so if you're interested in teaching or you are teaching, uh, I just ask you to uh, show up for that. Go ahead and stand to your feet this morning. We've been worshiping the Lord, and we're going to continue that before I bring the second sermon in the uh, series. Peter, I believe you're going to be blessed by today's message. But I want you to worship as the Lord leads.
the grace of cleansing flow to wash us white as snow. The cross is there for you and me. We sing, Jesus. 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 You're the Savior. the same. 
with just one more song before pastor comes. Our hearts will cry 
How many of you believe the Bible? If you really believe the Bible, then you'll believe this story I'm getting ready to read to you. Matthew chapter 14, verse 27. Actually, let me me start. uh, Yeah, I want to start 29th verse. He said, come. This is Jesus talking to Peter. When Peter had come down out of the boat, now you said you believe in the Bible, he walked on water to Jesus. Now, there's some things in the Bible, it goes beyond reason. It goes beyond logic to walk on water. But if you believe the Bible, you've got to believe this story that Jesus jumped out of, or that Peter jumped out of the boat to run to Jesus and he walked on water. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and called him and said to him, oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they had gotten into the boat, the wind ceased. And then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him saying truly you are the son of god lord over the next few moments lord the message that you've laid in my heart to preach today lord let it become real to us lord let it become lord jesus that we would understand lord what you're trying to tell us today and lord i pray lord that you would get your anointing lord on everybody today lord and you would just begin to move in a mighty way and lord i'm asking you lord to touch your people in Jesus' wonderful name we pray amen give the lord a hand clap of praise as you are being seated today appreciate this wonderful job this band has done tremendous appreciate their leading us in worship part two of Peter. Peter's characteristics. What we can learn from Peter, the disciple. Last week, we talked about the call. The call that God placed upon his life when Jesus said, come and follow me. We learn what it was to follow someone and learn what it means to be the leader and help other people follow Jesus. But today, we're going to take another turn in the life of Peter, and we're going to catch up with Peter out in the middle of the lake, out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, out in the middle of a big area that's just full of water. Now, if you know anything about the Sea of Galilee, it's simply about 13 miles long, about seven miles wide. So it's not as huge as you might think it would be, but if you're out in the middle of the lake and it's dark, and we're going to find out it was the middle of the night, 
before dawn approached, I'm assuming that electrical lights were not there on that shield. Now, it may be a big stretch, but I think I'm okay just by saying that. They couldn't flip on a light switch. They didn't have a battery-powered generator to have these big electrical lights like we do now. I'm going to venture to say that the only light they had that night was the moonlight. But I'm going to go even further to say they didn't have much moonlight because the Bible tells us that the wind was blowing. Because the wind was blowing, it was that way of telling them that a storm was happening. And as in the middle of this storm, in a sense of this wind blowing, we find that the boat is in the middle of the sea, and in the middle of the sea, Jesus begins to walk out there to the boat. Now, I told you I was asking you a trick question because I was setting you up. Because when you read this story that all these two, these two guys walk on water, that's far-fetched in our logical brain. But I believe the Bible, and I believe it happened that way because I believe Jesus was further, even furthering what he was doing to show the disciples the power that he had. But let us catch up with what got us to this point of Jesus even chasing the boat down on the water. You have to understand that in the verses before this, Jesus was ministering to thousands of people. He was ministering to hundreds and thousands of people that were there in attendance, even to, this is one of the stories, that he took the lunch pail that the little boy had and he broke it, the two loaves or uh, the two fishes and five loaves, and he broke it down and he began to feed 5,000. And I believe that is the only uh, story that's in every four Gospels. So we know he took his little boy's lunch and he fed 5,000. And it just says those were the men. That's not counting the women and children. So he gives them all of this food in a sense. And then they take up 12 baskets. That let me know right there that Jesus can get it done. It also lets me know that we serve a God that's more than enough. I preached a message on that before that we serve a God that's more than enough to heal you, more than enough to touch you financially. He's not just a barely God. He's a God of more than enough. But then we find that Jesus gets some sad news. It's come to his attention that John the Baptist, the one that baptized him, his cousin, his family, was beheaded. I'm sure emotionally that hit him like a ton of bricks. Not that it necessarily caught him off guard, but his human side had to deal with it. His human side had to figure out, now what am I going to do? Not that he was caught off guard, but in his humanity, it was saddened to him. So he's ministering to all these people, he gets the news of John the Baptist, and then he tells his disciples, look, guys, I've got to have some alone time. You go ahead and get in the boat, and I'll catch up with you. Now, I would have been like, okay, Lord, how are you going to catch up with you? You're going to walk around the lake? I know we're going to meet you on the other side, but if you're going to stay here and we're going to float over, 
how are you getting here? That had been my question, but the Bible didn't say they asked any questions. They just got in the boat like they were told, good little disciples, and started paddling out to the middle. And Jesus says this, I'm going to go up to the mountaintop. I've got to have some alone time with my father. I'm going to get up in my prayer closet because life has hit me so hard right now and the news of my cousin is just weighing heavy. I've got to find my prayer closet. I've got to find my father. I've got to have some alone time. I don't need anybody around me. And I'm thinking and I'm reading it, if Jesus needs alone time, how much more do we need alone time? I like what Oswald Chambers, who wrote The Utmost for His Highest, put in one of his devotions. He said, spiritual exhaustion doesn't happen because of sin. It happens because of service. And in my lifetime, and believe that I've been around long enough that I've seen people burn out because they're doing too much and they're not taking care of themselves. Do you know that they are pushing for ministers to, look, take a sabbatical. I've shared this with you before because ministers, and I just heard of one a couple of weeks ago that broke my heart that he just, he had to step away. The pressure of just the pastoring and the ministry had gotten to him and he needed time away. And it's becoming an ever, ever emotional, ever, ever emotional, heavy load that guys are carrying and gals are carrying. It goes both ways. Because when you try to do too much and you don't refill the gas tank, you will run out. Now, I know sometimes y'all get on to me, I run on empty a lot. But I know that when God says time to stop, I listen to him. And I think about that. I don't want to be so spiritually exhausted that I forget why we're even doing this. I've seen workers in the church burn out because they felt like they were turning all the plates. And I have always been throughout my pastor trying to recognize that. That hasn't always happened. I've missed a few, but I've always tried to recognize what's going on because there's going to always be a plate to turn. There's always, we say, what are you talking about a plate turn? Y'all remember that little guy who was great back in, the, I guess, the mid-60s? He could set up 50 plates and keep them spinning. And on little sticks, and he just ran around spinning plates. He didn't get anything accomplished, but we, it was fun watching him spin plates. I've showed that video before, by the way, too. I mean, come on, we got plate spinners. If we're not careful, we become a plate spinner. And I don't want to become spiritually exhausted, so that's the reason service is vital. Your, re, uh, your relationship and your worship with God is vital. And Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to the mountaintop because I've got to get in connection with my God. I've got to get connected to him. I've got to have some time alone. It breaks my heart that last week I read that a guy that served a church in Nashville, he was an associate pastor at a big church. Some of you may have seen this. They even reported about it on the news. He decided to take his own life. It broke my heart that the ministry and 
all the stuff that he was going through, that was his only way of escape. It's time that we put our lives on hold and say, okay, Lord, fill me back up. If we're not careful, we'll run around doing everything when we need to be putting our life on hold. And in that, I just want us to get to the point as a church, we got a lot of ministries going out. But if we miss the important thing, and that is to point people to Jesus, doesn't matter about everything else. That's got to be priority. We've got to be a church that says, let me welcome you in and let me point you to the cross. Let me point you to the Jesus. Let me point you to why we do what we do. Because if we ever lose sight of doing what we do, then we just need to cease doing it. Now let me continue on when we talk about Peter. So we know that Jesus got away and he went up to the mountain. And I believe he had an all-night prayer meeting. Now, if I could have been a fly sitting on a tree watching that prayer meeting, I would venture to say if somebody was there, it'd been like the Garden of Gethsemane where his sweat became blood. No, I don't know this, but I'm just saying he went with a purpose, and he went with all seriousness. And I believe he went and said, Lord, you need to refill me because I've got more work to do, and he had a heavy heart. But when he come out... Now, this is some Brian theology, so you take it as he was so light, he could walk on water. Now, I know it's, I just had to throw it in. I was getting kind of heavy there. But in all seriousness, when he come out, he come off that mountain, he started walking on water. But you've got to see this account of what Peter did. Peter had enough sense that once they were afraid, look at this, in verse 13, he said, Jesus heard it. He departed by boat. Oh, wait, I'm going to jump down to 22, sorry. 22, he said, immediately Jesus made his disciples get in the boat and go before him on the other side. And while he sent the multitudes away, when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. But now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. But in the fourth watch, the fourth watch was anywhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. of the night Jesus went to them. So early that morning or late that night in the fourth watch, it was, he was walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, Is it a ghost? And they cried out in fear. Now, you've got to picture this for a moment that they're in this boat. It's probably about most of those boats uh, anywhere from 20 to 30 feet long. And they're in this boat in the middle of the sea. It's dark. And they see a figure coming towards them. And it says the wind was blowing. So you know they're not able to see the shoreline more than likely because of the storm that was approaching. And as the sea was, or as they were looking, out on the sea, they saw this figure coming after them. And they're going to react just like you and I would react. Ah, they're going to scream. I mean, you're out in the middle of the ocean. You see a figure coming towards you. Don't tell me you're not going to begin to say, what is that? And do you see, and I'm sure they're putting, do you see that? Or is that just my eyesight? And, and they all look afraid. They look at each other. They don't know what to do. And then the Bible says, 
as they cried out in fear, immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I do not be afraid. He is telling them, look, I'm catching up with you just like I told you I would. You just didn't ask how I was going to do it. So now you're finding out. And don't be afraid. I'm walking towards you. And I believe he's just strolling along. Now, you can set your own theology and picture it the way that you want to picture. He could have been skiing. I don't know if he was or wasn't. You know, more than likely, he was just walking. I don't think necessarily he was running and causing a big splash. I think he was just strolling out to the boat, probably in a good mood. He just got along with his father. It's in the middle of the night. It's kind of calm, even though it, the wind is blowing. He knows that everything is going to be all right, and so he walks out to the boat. But here's the thing that I want us to understand. Of all the disciples that were in that boat, of all the disciples that saw the figure coming and realized after he spoke that it was Jesus, there was one disciple, his name was Peter, that we're discussing this morning, had the wherewithal to say, Lord, if it's really you, if it's really you, let me come to you. Think about that for a moment. He's in a boat. As far as I know, he's never walked on water. But he says, Lord, if it's really you, I want to step out of this boat and walk on the water. Now, and Peter, you've got to realize he's seen him feed take he, he was there when he took the fishes and the loaves and he fed all those people. He's seen the miracles that Jesus had done up to this point. But he said if it's really, it wasn't just enough to hear his voice and say that, you know, don't be afraid. Peter's like, no, if it's really you, bid me come to you. If it's really you, command me, some translation says, to come to you. Jesus says one word, come. He don't give him a dialogue on how he should come. He don't tell him how to get out of the boat. He don't tell him how to step on the water. He just says, come. Come. And I can only imagine it in my mind. Peter just hops up over the side. And he's in the water. And he's walking. I can only imagine as he walks, he's probably like, man, I've never done this before. As far as I know, I'm only the second person to ever do this before. And this is no trick, and there's no magic involved, and there's no illusion taking place. I'm out here in the middle of the sea, and I'm walking on the water, and I'm going towards my Savior. I'm going towards the one that saved me that I have been following. I see his footsteps, and I am going after him. But then something else catches his eye. Among all of that that takes place, the storm intensifies, at least to the point that he recognizes the wind is blowing. Because when he notices the wind and he steps out, now here's what I wish the Bible would tell us. How far did he get away from the boat? Was it a couple of steps? Was it half the distance? I don't know how far he 
was walking on water before he realized the wind was getting ready to overtake him. And then in that moment, he concentrated more on the wind than he did Jesus and realized now he's knee-deep in water. Maybe he might even be, I don't know, waist-deep at this point. We don't know how far he started sinking until he cried out. The Bible just said he started sinking in the middle of the storm. Now, here's what we can understand from Peter. First off, Peter had enough faith or enough courage or he didn't know better and he just jumped out of the boat. How do you have all three of those? Because every Christian is at some point. You get a young Christian, they don't know any better. They just go out and tell everybody about God. They're full of faith. They're full of energy. They're full of going out, and they're going to save the world. But you let one get seasoned and matured, and they begin, we've done it that way. It can't be done that way. We've tried that. I don't know about those people. I've watched them come and go, and they get their own mindset, and it begins to distract what God wants to do. Can I preach for a moment right here? See, there's different levels of when we jump out of the boat, what we're expecting, because the experience and the background that we bring into it determines what we have our eyes on. But if we would set our eyes and our gaze on Jesus Christ, it wouldn't matter what is behind us. It wouldn't matter what we think. It's going to be all about him and nothing more and nothing less, and we could get some work done. But we want to bring everybody and everything back into it. And then we begin to understand and begin to try to figure it all out and make logic of it. It could have simply been that Peter was stepping on the water and then his brain says, you can't do this. This is illogical. That's the word. I'm not sure you have to look at it. It didn't make sense. I'm sure you'll let me know after service. Illogical. I like that word. If not, it's a new word. Because it didn't make sense. You can't walk on water. But Peter had enough courage to jump out of the boat. But here's the situation that some churches get in. We don't jump out of the boat. Because we don't want to take a risk. Because if we take a risk, it might mean that we might sink. Or if we take a risk, it might mean that we, you know, are not ready. Oh, can I tell you, this girl... Come to me Wednesday night, Maddie, and said, I want to sing. And I said, you let me know when. She goes, how about this Sunday? I said, that works. Because she took, she jumped out of the boat. And a lot of you won't jump out of the boat. Because it's safer in the boat. It is. You know God's calling you to do something, but you don't want to jump out of the boat. Because it doesn't make sense. But Peter, if we could take just a little bit of his characteristics, he said, Lord, if that's you, if that's you, let me come. And he said, come. You may put a fleece before the Lord. Lord, if that's you, let this happen. But you're afraid to even do that because you know God's already going to confirm what he's placed in your heart. I think when Peter spoke those words, he knew he was getting out of the boat. He just needed a little bit of confirmation. He just needed a little bit of extra encouragement. And Jesus said, get out of the boat. But now you have to understand this. 
when he got out of the boat, the wind began to rage. It became, in my translation, and I've seen it in different, it became boisterous, and then that's when he become afraid. See, when we jump out of the boat, and let me just go ahead and warn you, when you start following the Lord, and you start doing what you know you're supposed to be doing, and you start living the life that God wants you to live, you can go ahead and mark it down. You can go ahead and write it that storms are going to approach, that storms are going to show up, that Satan is going to try to knock you off course and get you to focus in on the life and get you to focus in on storms. But Jesus is saying, don't pay attention to the storm. You keep your eyes on me. I am what you need at this moment in time. You don't lose heart. You don't lose soul. You don't lose what I've placed in you if you keep your eyes on me. I've seen so many young Christians not make it, even though they'll leave with ever intentions of making it, but when the storms hit, they forget their focus. And I've seen so many mature Christians, we would use that word, that when the storms get more than they feel like they can handle, they forget the power that was within them. That's why we need revival. We need revival to revive us. That power that's it's always been there, but sometimes it has to be revived. So here we find Peter stepped out of the boat. Peter had enough courage to do what he felt the Lord was calling him to do when he said, come. And then he began to sink. This is where a lot of people find themselves in. They'll get out of the boat. They'll be doing good for a while. And then they'll begin to sink because distractions have hit them. Now, here's the thing. How long are you going to sink before you cry out to Jesus? Let that sink in for just a moment. How long are you going to begin to sink before you cry out to Jesus? I know if I'm walking on water and I'm nowhere near the boat and all of a sudden my ankles get wet, it's time to cry out. That's me. But some people feel they can do it by themselves so they'll let their knees get wet. And the whole time they're just sinking. And they're thinking, I can do this by myself. I've done it before. I don't need nobody. I don't need the church. I don't need any the pastor. I don't need the Sunday school teacher. I don't need anybody to help me. I don't even need the Lord right now to help me. And their waist is getting wet. And they're sinking. And I don't know about you, but if it got past my I'm really crying out at that point because it's just sinking. Sometimes life can be like a muddy pit that you can't get out of. And it seems like the more you fight, the more entangled you become and you're sinking. And you don't know how to get out of it. Kind of like what I think of when I think of quicksand. Now, I've never really experienced quicksand. 
But I remember as a kid, as I was growing up and hunting, I thought, man, I hope I never step into quicksand. I don't even know if there's any around here. Haven't experienced any yet. But Hollywood made it seem like it was inedible. Because once you fall into quicksand, you can't get yourself out. It takes somebody handing you a branch to pull you out. There's times in life that we need help from other people. And there's times in life that we need to help other people. But here we find Peter. He knows who his Savior is. He cries out, Lord, save me. That should be our prayer. Lord, save me. See, life is going to bring us storms. There's no way around that. Life is going to bring us storms. But it's how we handle the storms. It's how we handle the storms that tells us what we have on the inside. Peter knew that when the storm arranged around him, the wind was blowing. He said, Lord, save me. And verse 31 said, immediately Jesus stretched out his hands and called him and said to him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Two things about storms. Number one, you can write this down. Number one, storms are temporary. They don't last forever. Even though it feels like that in you're in the middle of the storm, that it's a never-ending storm. And I feel for all the ones that were affected by the last hurricane that blew. And I'm sure in the middle they felt like that this is never going to end. But eventually the winds came. Now, there is aftermath that has to happen. But I know that God is going to help them and God is going to help you. Because, see, it's through the storms that we grow. And nobody likes to hear that. It's through the storms that our spiritual maturity happens. If we never had storms, everything, if we never had, we wouldn't grow. The church wouldn't grow. You can read church history, and I've preached it before, and you can look at it. It was when the persecution came that is when people flocked to the church. Do you know church, after they burned the buildings down, people decided they want to go to church then? One of the greatest storms we just experienced this past week in our country, I shared with the young people Wednesday night that it was 9-11, and most of you can think where you were that day when the planes come crashing down. That next Sunday, here's what I shared with them. That next Sunday, when we went to church, I looked around and I said, I've seen people I haven't seen in 
forever almost for years i mean the churches were packed attendance you could they went off the charts it didn't matter what denomination it didn't matter what church people got up after that tuesday attack they got up sunday morning and they said you know i think i'm going to go to church today i think i'm going to show up but here's what happened we put a name on the storm we try to recognize it we try to logic it out and then they realize well once we know what it is and this way over there, it really doesn't affect me. This is not the end of the world. So in two to three months after that, by the first of the year, church attendance had plummeted back to where it was because people realized they didn't need God at that moment. Those aren't my statistics. You can Google it. But when the storm raged, people thought, I better get to church. Why do they want to come to church? Because deep down they know where the security is at. Deep down they know where the Savior is at. But if we're not careful, we get distracted by other things. Life will pull us away. The storms will blow. I ask you another question. I'm getting ready to close. How many loves rainbows? We all love rainbows. I saw one of the most beautiful rainbow coming home the other day. I was headed uh, down 52, coming from the Clarksville area. And Stacy had called me and said, is it raining where you're at? I said, no, the sun's shining. Now, off to my right was this big, dark cloud that was in the vicinity of Nashville where she was coming out of. She goes, it is pouring rain here. And I could see the dark cloud. And I was, as I was driving around 52, this cloud, it just kind of kept circling. And by the time I got to Portland, I had just a little bit of sprinkle, but I looked up. There was the beautiful rainbow that scanned from one side to the other. And I looked at that and I thought, man, that is a gorgeous sight. But for me to be able to experience the rainbow, there has to be a storm somewhere. There has to be a rain cloud. What am I trying to tell you? We all love rainbows. They're beautiful. But to get the rainbow, you're going to have to go through some storms. And that's the hard part. But what do we understand from Peter? Peter called out, save me. Storms are only temporary. But we grow during storms. And now I feel like when Peter got back into the boat... And Jesus asked him, ye of little faith, you didn't have enough faith. Why did you doubt? I believe Peter's faith was increased tremendously that day. His faith grew and rose to say, if you let me walk on water, there's nothing I can't do. If you let me walk on water, we can accomplish anything that we set our hand to it with the power of Jesus and the Holy Ghost. Through the power of Jesus and the Holy Ghost. But he doubted. He's like, he called their doubt into question. And I think that's where the church finds itself today. How much do we believe that Jesus is the Savior? In our storms of life, how much do we believe that he can help us in our darkest hours? How much do we believe that he is our Savior? 
I'm going to ask the band to come. I want to close with this letter that I run across in the book, Chicken Soup for the Soul. How many heard of those books? This particular girl, she was 13 years old. Her name was Kaylee. She recounts her story that when she grew up in church, all her life she was in church. And one night at a youth event, it was a lock-in. She says they played this game called Romans and Christians. Never heard of it. I've never played it. Sounds interesting, but kind of sound like tag in a sense. But she goes on to describe that in this game, the Romans would capture the Christians and they would ask the question, why do you believe in God? And she went on to recount this night that as she was captured, she was asked that question, why do you believe in God? And at age 13, she said, I, I didn't know why I believed in God. I couldn't give them an answer. And, and it bothered me. It bothered me to the point that I, I, I just broke out in tears and I was crying. And obviously it was just a game. And, but the question lingered in her mind until she got home. And she began to think, why do I believe in God? And she goes, I couldn't come up with an answer. And this is her writing she said, I've been a Christian all my life. I go to church every Sunday. I pray regularly. I go to youth group. But yet, I didn't have an answer of why I believed in God. Was it because I only knew this lifestyle because of my parents? And why did that question bother me so much, she asked. For the rest of the week, I thought and prayed about it. And then that Sunday night, she wrote... As I was lying in bed, she found the answer. She said, I found the answer. Psalms chapter 27, verse 1 came to her. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? So I ask you this question. Peter knew who his Savior was. Peter jumped out of the boat to run to Jesus, and when he started sinking, he realized who to call out to. As a 13-year-old, to answer the question, why do I believe in God? How many of you can answer that question? I believe if you're not sure, Psalms 27, her inspiration is a great start. Because David writes, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my light and, I'm, and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You know what I like about that? The whole passage that I read to you in Matthew, the whole passage that we talked about with Peter in chapter 14, it was always talking about, why are you fearing? Why are you afraid? 
He's like, look, if you'll keep your eyes on me and you'll follow me, you don't have to be afraid because I'm going to be right there with you. You don't have to tremble because I'm going to be right there with you. You don't have to give up or you don't have to quit because I'm going to be right there with you. Life tries to petrify us but if we're serving the Lord we can walk upright and realize that through the Holy Ghost will lead us and we don't have to be afraid we don't have to bow under pressure we can stand up we can look our storm eyeball to eyeball and say through the power of Jesus and the Holy Ghost I'm going to take you out oh if we would only get a hold of what Peter knew that day when he stepped out of the boat to realize that the storms of life do not have to define us. Stand to your feet. She went on to say, and as I close that, I want you to get to part of her, last part of her letter. She said, this verse helped me determine why I believe in God. Without Him, I would have no salvation, no forgiveness, no afterlife, nothing. It is important to believe so I can have all these things and I don't have to wonder what will happen when I die. I know that I'm going to heaven. If something bad or unexpected is bothering me, I can take it to God. This is a 13-year-old writing this. Everyone is going to have a different reason for believing in God. I can say now that I believe in God because without Him, I would have nothing and would have no hope. Believing in God is a choice that everyone makes at some point. What is your choice and why do you believe? I'm getting ready to give an altar call. I'm getting ready to give an invitation for God to do something in your life. But I'm going to ask you the question. In the middle of your storm and situation, why do you believe God? Or do you believe him at all? This 13-year-old puts it in a perspective that everyone at some point is going to have to make that decision. Peter, when he was sinking in the water, had to make a quick decision of who he was going to put his faith in. See, the storms of life are going to blow. And it's in the middle of the storm, you're going to have to make a decision. Who do you believe in? The world will let you down. I may let you down. The church may hurt you. People around you may criticize you. But Jesus, but Jesus will never do that. He was the one that went to the cross for your sin and my sin. He is the one that said, if you want to come after me, pick up your cross and follow me. Sometimes we forget that. But I'm here to remind you today that when the winds blow in your life and the storms come, don't get distracted but focus in on Jesus. Even if you have to become unordinary and you're listening to worship music everywhere you go, people are so tired of your worship music, you just say, it's not for you, it's for me. 
If you have to make you a prayer closet that you get along with God and say, God, I need a long time with you. I need to get in this prayer. I'm going through some stuff. And the only way I'm going to get through the stuff is that you help me get through it. It may be your car. It may be a spot in your home. Wherever that is, I want to encourage you today. Don't go through storms without Jesus. Lord, right now I pray. Lord, every person, every person, Lord, that needs to hear this message, Lord, their ears would be open and their eyes would see, Lord, and we would take a playbook out of Peter's life that in the middle of the storm we cry out to you. Lord, that we would realize, Lord, they're only temporary. But, Lord, we're still coming after you. Lord, we don't understand it, but through it we're going to grow. Our faith is going to grow. Our trust is going to grow. And, Lord, we're going to grow towards you. And through it all, Lord, I pray blessings. Jesus. Here's my invitation. It's real simple this morning. They're going to sing this song. I'm going to leave you right. If you want to come to these front altars, they're open. But I'm just encouraged to do this today. If you're going through a storm, if you feel like you have stepped out of the boat and you're sinking and you're not sure what to do, and you say, Pastor, I just need a touch from God today. It may be encouragement. It may need healing. It may be a financial need. It may be a family that's broken that you need a touch from God today. As they begin to sing this song, here's my request. Here's my invitation. I just want you to slip your hand up and slip it right back down. Right there where you're at, there's hands going up all over this place. And we're going to pray for, I I just feel it, we're going to pray for every person that raised their hand. And if you'll help me, church, do this, I believe God's going to intervene. Go ahead and sing this song. Jesus. The victory is yours. You're riding on the storm. I want you to stretch it towards heaven one more time. We're going to pray, Lord. Every hand that is raised, Lord, they're signifying they need a touch from you today. Lord, I'm praying, Lord, as they stand there, Lord, as they sit there, Lord, as they are in this room, Lord, with their hand raised, Lord, you know the touch that they need. Lord, you know the miracle that needs to transpire in their life today. Lord, I'm praying, Lord, as they stand there with their hand raised, that you would let an anointing win 
flow through this place and begin to impact them, begin to touch them, Lord Jesus, and let them realize they're not going through it by themselves, but Lord, you are doing a divine work in their life today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Oh, receive your miracles. You're riding on the storm. If you want to come in these altars and pray, I told you they were open. If you want the church together, I believe where you raised your hand that God saw your need and he's intervening. But if you want the church together around you and pray, I never want to give you an opportunity. or I never want to let you go without giving you an opportunity to come and stand and allow the church to gather around you. If you need salvation, you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, and you want to do that today, we want to pray with you to do that. We want to lead you into what He would have you to do. We want to just help you become everything that God wants you to become through Jesus. If you have a special need in your life that you want to bring before the church, I want to ask you to do that as they sing this chorus one more time, and then I'm going to let you go. If you have a special need, your I want to give you an opportunity. Your blood is washing me. It's purifying me. Your love has set me free. Washing me, it's purifying me. 
is yours. The victory is yours. You're riding on the storm. Your name is unfailing. The kingdoms rise, they fall. Give me a couple ladies. Your throne withstands them all. Your name, it's unshaken. had a good time in the Lord today and at church. Would you give him a hand clap of praise? A hand clap of thanksgiving. Let me say this before I let you go. A lot of you don't get to see the perspective that I get to see. But y'all are a beautiful looking crowd today. Give yourselves a hand. Wonderful crowd. So glad what God is doing. I pray that you have been touched that you have experienced what the Lord would have you to experience. And uh, remember all the announcements. If you haven't um, befriended us on Facebook, we use that a lot to get announcements out also. And uh, so that's a platform that we try to keep everybody up to date. But ladies, remember 5 o'clock today, uh, you'll have your uh, ladies meeting. And then uh, coming up next week, 8.45, Sunday school, or all teachers, not just Sunday school, but uh, all teachers are invited to, uh, or if you even thought about teaching, uh, please come to the 8.45 meeting. And lastly, let me say that uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, Brother Dennis is going to be beginning the study of Bait of Satan in Sunday school. It's going to begin at 9.30 and uh, go ahead and determine in your heart that you want to be a part of that study. Uh, it is a great study. It helps you recognize the baits that he uses to distract you. And uh, I just feel like you'll, you'll just grow through that study and through Sunday school and the interaction of learning. And so put that on your calendar. It's going to come up in a couple weeks starting in October I believe as the date so you don't want to miss that and then I know we have a mom's class that just started uh, so they meet at 930 over at the uh, Life Center a uh, lot of different things going on we're going to have some more kids classes I don't know if you recognize it but God is doing something special here and I praise him for that 
I know you are hot and you're ready to go, but uh, I pray that the Lord blesses you this week and uh, you just have a tremendous week in him. God bless you.